season is one of the best times if you're in the market for a new TV to buy a new TV. And so I've been looking at some different ads, not because I need a new television or even want a new television. I just like to look at some of the new features that are available on models and try to see where we're going in terms of technology. And I flashed back as I was doing that recently to the very first time I got an HD TV. Now, some of you are not old enough to realize that there was once a time where high definition wasn't a thing on television. And some of you are old enough to remember there was a time that color wasn't a thing on television. So, you know, we're, we're all across the spectrum here. But I remember, this was probably 15, 16 years ago now, where HD was starting to really catch on, and it was becoming semi-affordable. And I decided, I'd saved up my money, and I decided I was going to go get my first HD TV. And for the time, it, it was a, a big HD TV. It was 40 inches, which is laughable now with all the technological advances that we've had. But at that time, that was, that was a substantial television. And so I went to Best Buy, and I bought the TV, and then I loaded it in the vehicle, and I drove it home, and I had somebody come over and, and help me get it set up, and we get it all set up, and I hooked my cable box because streaming wasn't a thing at, at this point. I hooked, you used to have a, a cable box, so they would run cable into your house, and then you would run a cable from the wall into a box, and then from the box into the TV, and then with the, with the HD TV, you needed a new cord called an HDMI cable, which I recognize now everybody knows all about. But at this time, this was still brand new technology. So I bought the HDMI cable. I, I still ran the, the cable from the box into the TV, plugged the HDMI in, turned on the TV, turned on a basketball game, and was completely underwhelmed. And I looked at it, and I'm like, Whoa, that store demo is false advertising. Because what that TV looked like in that store versus what that TV looks like in my living room is way different. It is way different. And I'm looking at it, and I'm just growing angry and frustrated the longer I look at the TV. I said, this... This picture isn't even that good. This is, this is not at all what I thought I was getting. This is not at all what I thought I was buying. And then two hours later, it dawned on me. Check the inputs, stupid. Because I was used to just turning on the TV and you were set. With the old TV, that's all you needed to do. So I never changed the source to the HDMI cable. Which meant the entire time I was watching the TV, I was watching a standard broadcast stretched out on a high-def screen. And then, as soon as it dawned on me to hit source and go to HDMI 1, my world was blown away. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I had never seen television before. Like, I was now seeing television. It was crystal clear. The contrast could not have been more starkly different. The reality is this. That entire time I watched that television, from the time I set it up, I had everything I needed. 
I had everything I needed to have an amazing viewing experience. But the problem is, I didn't follow the instructions. Now, sometimes that's because you don't recognize. But sometimes in life, that can be because we just don't want to. Over the course of the last few weeks, we've been talking about relationships. We're going to continue that today. And last week, we started isolating some of the root causes for what we see in relationships that break down. Last week, we looked at family tension in in greater detail. And today, we're going to look at a cause of divorce that's present in 40% of divorces. 40% of divorces are caused by finances. And today, we're going to see that the good news for us is that God has laid out a plan. And if we will follow God's plan, we can remove the anxiety, we can remove the stress, we can remove the angst. And I don't know about you, but if we recognize that around 40 to 45% of marriages are going to fail, and of those, 40% are contributed to this factor, that if we're in a relationship that we love someone and we care about, and if we're followers of Jesus, we should, because even if we don't like them, we should try to honor God, and I don't know where you are in the course of that, but wherever you find yourself, I would think that if we say, hey, 40 to 45% of these marriages are going to end, and 40% of those that end are directly caused because of this, maybe we should make sure that we're plugged into God's way, because His way is the best way. If you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app this morning. It's a free resource that you can find in whatever app store you utilize. And once it's installed on your device, there's a feature that we use every single week called events. You can either enable your locations once you select events or just right in Lakeside, Algoma will pop up and you can follow along with us that way. If you have a traditional Bible with you this morning, we're going to be in the New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, the gospel, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19 in just a minute. If you're joining us via the stream this morning, thanks so much for joining us. My name is Brian, and I'm part of the team here at Lakeside, and the verses will be available for you on the screen below as we listen and we investigate the teachings of Jesus and how we can remove anxiety from finances. Matthew 6, 19 to 21 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. The principle of Jesus is this. Don't don't store up treasures for yourself that don't last. Don't store up treasures for yourself that don't last. And all the things that we strive after, all the things that we push for, Jesus says, make sure, make sure you're aiming for the right things. Because so much of what we work towards and so much of what we desire ultimately becomes worthless. It ultimately becomes worthless. So you make a better investment. 
Make a better investment and don't store up for yourself treasures that don't last. Things that can be destroyed. Things that can be stolen, like coats from kids. If you don't get that, watch from last week. All right? Don't store up. Don't store up treasures for yourself that ultimately amount to nothing. That ultimately amount to nothing. Here's what's fascinating about this. And it was not, was it wrong for me to buy that television? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It is not wrong for us to buy things. It is not wrong for us to enjoy things. But it is wrong for us to place all of our focus in those things. That TV that I loved so much, it can be bought today with better specs for a ninth of the cost that I bought it then. So even things that don't break and aren't stolen, they depreciate. And the message of Jesus is this. You can put all of your time and you can put all of your energy and you can put all of your focus in things that are going to be broken or things that are going to be destroyed or things that are going to be stolen or things that are going to depreciate. Or you can make sure that you make wise investments. And Jesus then draws the contrast. He says, "This make sure you don't do this thing, but instead do this. Store up treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven where things will not be destroyed, where things will not be stolen, and things will not depreciate. And then he drives his point home because he says this, where your treasure is, your heart is is also. And this is fascinating. This is fascinating because what we see now is that money leads the heart. You know, it's it's Valentine's week and everybody talks about following their heart and and love and, and, and all of these things. But what Jesus lets us in on and Jesus has a little bit of an unfair advantage because he's God and he created us and he knows everything. So he knows he says this, your money, your money directs your heart. And we look, and if 40% of divorces happen because of money, what does this tell us about love? We tend to think that our hearts are going to drive us. The reality is, it's not the heart. It's the wallet or the purse. Money drives the heart. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And and Jesus says this, "The, the eye is the lamp. What you focus on determines your health. What you focus on determines your health. So you don't have to answer this out loud, but right now just think through. What am I focused on? What am I chasing after? Because that determines your health. 
He goes on. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus says, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make because you can't serve both God and money. Those two do not go hand in hand. It'd be like doing business right now with Russia and the Ukraine. All right, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't work unless maybe you make weapons and have shell companies. I don't know, but generally on the surface, you don't just come out. You you can't. You have to pick a side, and Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. And now here's where people love to come and they love to strip a verse out of context. And oftentimes, it's people who don't even follow Jesus, but they come and they try to weaponize the words of Jesus. And so they try to make an attack on people that God has blessed. And they try to say to anybody who has followed God's plan in their life and who has accumulated wealth, they, they come to them and say, well, it's wrong for you to be wealthy. That's what Jesus is teaching, right? Well, it's not. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Again, remember the context of what we're talking about here. And remember this idea of serving. It's not that it's wrong to be wealthy. It's not that it's wrong to, to acquire things. But the question is, what has our focus? What has our worship? What has our attention? What are we striving after? And if all that we're striving after are things that we can accumulate, that can be destroyed, or be stolen, or depreciate, then we have missed the mark. Therefore I tell you, verse 25 says, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus now, he pulls back the curtain even further into our mindset and into our emotions. And he says this, if you pursue the wrong things, if you pursue the wrong things, you will have a life of anxiety. If you pursue the wrong things, you will have a life of anxiety. And so Jesus draws some parallels. And he says, think of the birds. What do they own? What do birds own? Absolutely nothing. Those little trespassers, they'll build a nest right, right next to your porch and that little poop factory that's right there. And, and some of you invite it. You put out seed for them. And you're like, come, come poop all over the porch. That's awesome. And I'm like, go away. 
start singing at an hour that's ridiculous because the sun's about to start coming up at 3.30 in the morning. Like, go away! They own nothing! Yet they're taken care of. And Jesus says this. <laughs> that burden? Don't you think you're a little more valuable than that bird? And the problem is, whether it's cultural, whether it's relational, whether it's pressures that we put upon ourselves because we're chasing after the wrong thing, the problem is this. We put undue levels of stress on ourselves. Whether it's because of social media, whether it's because of the neighbors, whether it's because of the in-laws, whether it's because of the spouse, whether it's because of the kids, whatever the case may be, we put undue levels of pressure on ourselves because we feel like we're in a competition. And all of a sudden, well, if I don't take my kids to Disney twice a year, then I'm falling behind. And if I don't upgrade my vehicle every year and a half, then what are my coworkers going to think about me? And if I wear the same outfit twice, whew, I just, I'd just rather be dead. I mean, the audacity to wear that dress twice. We put all of this pressure on ourselves. And we can, blame, we can blame capitalism, we can blame ad campaigns, but the reality is it starts here. And it starts here. And what Jesus says is, hey, there's a better way. And then the problem within relationships is not only or is one person under this stress, but now you have another person into the equation. And God sometimes has a really sick sense of humor. So what he likes to do is he likes to match one person up with another person, one person who's a saver and one person who's a spender, and bring them together. And now there's tension. And Jesus says, hey, Relax. Remember what you need. And remember, your creator, make sure that the birds have it. How much more valuable are you than them? And then Jesus really wants to get this point home between the relationship of anxiety and finances. Because he says this in verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Anxiety does no good. It doesn't serve a single purpose. And what we see here is there is a direct relationship between anxiety and finances. And in God's plan and in God's design, 
It was never meant to be that way. He goes on. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus just continues to hammer this point home, and he says this, God meets the needs of wildflowers. Of wildflowers. He says, look at them. They're more beautiful than anything that we can create, than anything that we can produce. Solomon, in all of his wealth, in all of his knowledge, did he have anything as beautiful as these? Then Jesus uses this to ask a question. So why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust God? And when Jesus hammers this point home, notice what he does. He goes as far as to question the faith of those hearing him. He says, oh, you of little faith? continues therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all and this is the message of jesus relax relax God is good and he knows what you need. God is good and he knows what you need. Now the problem comes in when we start to mistake needs for once and we start to think, well, okay, then I'm owed everything that I want. And what happens is because we want things, We start to think, I deserve it, or I'm owed it, or I'm just going to do it. I don't care if it's undisciplined. I don't care if it's unwise. And what happens? Well, we chase after those once, and eventually the bill comes due. And then when the bill comes due, we have to pay it or extend paying it, and Then if we're in a relationship and somebody else is chasing after their wants, the bill comes due and it's going to come due at the same time because that's how these things work. And then there's going to be angst and there's going to be turmoil and it's not just going to be individual, it's going to be relational. And a great exercise that you and your spouse should do or you and your fiancé should do if you're engaged is this. To talk through 
how much money can I spend without talking to you about it? And to see what that answer is. It's a question I ask people before they get married, as as we're doing premarital counseling. I ask people, how much money can you spend without talking to your spouse? And the answer, it varies. I've had anywhere from a hundred bucks to a thousand dollars. I'm like, man, I want to live in that world. But think about it. Say it's a hundred bucks. If you spend 100 bucks and don't talk to your spouse about it, and they spend 100 bucks and don't talk to you about it, that's 200 bucks. Let's say you just do that for a week. That's $1,000. So when we break it down like that, people are like, how about five bucks? And I'm like, now we're talking, right? Now we're talking. Like, be on the same page. And some of you find yourself right now in an atmosphere of anxiety because you aren't on a page. Because you don't have a plan. And because it's what you're chasing after. And we would think that we would learn from our history. We would think that we would learn from our mistakes. We would think that we would understand because all of us in this room, every single one of us in this room has chased after something and we've gotten it and it felt great. And then the new wears off. And then at best case, it's just because of something that we have. And at worst case, it becomes a burden. So what's the antidote? And what's the solution? Well, verse 33 says this. But seek first his kingdom, kingdom of God, and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first first his kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Meaning the focus of our lives should not be in what we can acquire. The focus of our lives should not be in in what we're going to get. The focus of our lives, first and foremost, should be God's kingdom. And making sure that our lives align with his plan for our lives lives. And what's the benefit? Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Some of you right now, you're like, how... I can't even fathom not being anxious every time I walk to the mailbox or every time I open my email. Because I know it's the past due notice. And I know it's the bill that I've pushed off paying. And what I want to let you know is this, that God has a plan. And if we will follow God's plan, it will eliminate worry. 
It will eliminate worry. It will eliminate anxiety from our lives. What is God's plan? God's plan is this, that in terms of finances, first we trust him. We seek after him. And money leads the heart. So with all those things being true, God's plan starts with us not spending, but giving. And I know some of you right now, you're, you're newer to Lakeside, and so you're probably a little skeptical. You're like, ah, yep, here it is, right? The old church pitch. Okay. Beat us over the head. And I'm just going to tell you, that is God's plan for your life. That is God's plan for your finances. And if you will be obedient to God's plan and faithful to God's plan, he will bless you. Now, I'm not saying in some like prosperity gospel kind of thing that if you give X to God, he's going to return it 10 or 100 or 1,000 times fold or anything like that. But what I will tell you is this. There are spiritual blessings when you are generous, and there are material blessings as well, and God is faithful to meet our needs. Read the words of Jesus. Read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. God will meet your needs. He promises it. In God's plan, the first thing that we do is to give. The second thing that we do is to save. And the third thing that we do is to spend. And we don't have time today to walk through every single one of these, one of these concepts, but we would be more than happy to put you with a team of people who will help you understand these concepts in greater detail. They will help you design a budget. They will help you walk through the current situation that you're in right now. It's all confidential, but they are willing to walk with you through God's plan and to help you discover it if you will follow it. Now, the problem is, what is our society's plan? Our society's plan is to spend, to save, and then if there's anything left over, to give. But the reality is, when we follow that plan, here's what happens. We spend. And then we spend. And the numbers are alarming. Almost 60% of Americans don't have enough to cover an emergency from $500 to $1,000. That's the plan of our culture. That's the plan of our society. And that's a plan that does not work. And if you live in that space where you just spend and spend and spend, then you're never going to understand the peace that Jesus presents. And the reason you're never going to understand that peace isn't a financial reason, but it's, bec your, it's because your finances indicate something about your heart. And that's what you're choosing to store your treasure in. And it's what you're chasing after. And Jesus just appeals to you. He says, don't you think I love you? Don't you think you're more valuable than the birds? This is your creator. This is his love for you. And imagine what it would be like 
to be in a relationship where you and your spouse are on the same page about money. And the only way that's possible is because you both say, you know what? We're going to be on God's page about this. Imagine what it would be like to not have the money fight every couple weeks or maybe every day. Imagine what it would be like just to take that 40% figure off the table completely and say, in relationships that we have enough problems to worry about, we don't even have to factor this one in. And you're thinking, okay, Brian, but we're not going to be millionaires. And the beauty is you don't have to be. Because what anybody who has made a lot of money will tell you. Is that wealth does not eliminate your problems. If anything, it enhances them. But the plan of Jesus is a way that we can remove anxiety and be free. And just take that 40% off the table. The question is, are we willing to follow his plan? And if your answer to that question is yes, and you find yourself in a rough spot, then let us know. And we will put somebody with you confidentially who will walk with you and help. Help you discover God's plan. Help you formulate a plan to do it. If you find yourself single, one of the conversations you have to have is about finances. And it's people that love and follow Jesus. Let's just be committed to investing and storing up treasure in the right things. They are not destroyed. They are not stolen. And they don't depreciate. God, I pray that we would honor you and follow you in every area and aspect of our lives, including our finances. God, I pray that you would help us see that money drives our hearts. And I pray, God, that we would honor you with that. I pray for the relationship that's in trouble right now. Because there have been misalignment. Or maybe even, God, there was alignment, but we've just been going after the wrong things. God, I pray that you would get a grip of each one of the people in that relationship and get a grip of their hearts. And I pray that there would be a synergy. They would just say, all right, God, We're going to follow your plan. Thank you for the freedom that comes with this plan, God. I pray for those that have already experienced that freedom. and They've made it a point in their lives to follow your plan. God, I just pray that you would continue to bless them.
with peace, God, that they don't understand the angst and all the worry and that they are free from anxiety because they have followed your plan and God, that they could just continue to be radically generous. Thank you for all that you entrust to us, Lord. And I pray that at all times you would help us remember that nothing ultimately belongs to us. But it's all yours. May we manage it well for your glory. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.